It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs, who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. And we are the Lewis family, ready to answer your questions tonight. This is Linda Lewis, and thank you for joining us on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Well, Don, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? Okay, Doug, this is a little bit of an offbeat question. Um, it's actually for a friend of mine rather than me, myself. He's retiring at uh, around age 50, uh, having had a very good income from university teaching. And he doesn't quite have the 40 quarters of earnings that are required under Medicare and Social Security. The reason he doesn't is because he was in some exempt state government or employment or something. But he's not planning on working any further before then. Okay. Is there any way to convert investment income into employment income? No. There's no type of investment he could make in which might be regarded as a business. Well... How familiar are you with his situation? I might ask you some specific questions. As a financial planner, as you know, Don, if you listen to me regularly, Linda and I get pretty specific about people's situations so we can answer them. If you want, I'll get into his situation if you've got some numbers for me. Yeah, I think I can. Uh... All right. Well, uh, what's it? What what is it? What does his portfolio look like right now? You say he's fifty years old. Yeah. Is he married? No, he's single. Single. He owns a home. All right. Uh, let's take a look at his portfolio. First of all, let's look at his assets. He's got a home worth how much? Well, I would estimate, uh, let's say, um, worth uh, $200,000. All right. He's got a $200,000 home. What does he have in, say, cash and CDs and liquid assets, non-investments like money markets and so on? Well, I would say he's got about um, uh, 200000 there. 200000 in cash and CDs. And uh, maybe another 200000 in um, in stocks. That kind of thing, stocks and bonds. 200,000 stocks and bonds. He's taking retirement. Does he have any retirement plan at his uh, at his employer that he's leaving? Uh, yeah, he does. And is that eligible for rollover? In other words, uh, what kind of plan is it? Is it a 401k, a salary reduction plan? or Oh, you say he was teaching? Yeah, he was. Oh, he's got a 403b plan. I think that, yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's it might be the TIA CREF. I'd have to... I don't know that for sure. Well, anyway, let's let's ask the numbers. What does he have in it? No, I would estimate maybe one hundred fifty thousand or something. All right. Well, let's assume let's assume for our numbers, he's got another one hundred and fifty thousand, which we call rollover money or qualified money. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, uh, does he have anything else besides these three types of assets? His cash and CDs, his stocks and bonds, and then his retirement plan money. Uh, no. All right. What about on his retirement? Is he taking a pension from the university? Um, well, he would get some uh, some pension money from the university. Yeah. What number should I use for his pension? Uh, Two thousand a month. Uh, sure. He has some income from the books, but it's minimal. You know, just a thousand a year or something. It's not right. enough. This is Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner at Lewis Financial Management. 
Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. Call me at 919-872-7000. Let's assume that he's only going to be getting, let's say, 1500 a month mm-hmm. then from his pension. Okay. Do you have any idea what his living expenses are? They'll be low. Does he live a high lifestyle? Does no. he drive Mercedes and BMWs? No, or? just 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 a cheap car. All right. Well, I'm going to show you something right now to show you that what you're doing is really straining at a gnat because here's the deal. Assuming that his lifestyle uh-huh. is going to be quite high for him, 3000 a month, 36000 a year. Would you yeah. say that's probably beyond what, what his yeah, lifestyle is going to be? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's assume that the only amount he gets from his pension is 1500 a month. Yeah. Okay. Now he's shy $1,500 a month. Where does that money come from? It comes from those assets. Sure. We add up all the assets and we got $450,000. Mm-hmm. The question is, how much will that produce for him? Well, $450,000 working with a certified financial planner, an asset allocation model, and under a rather conservative uh, approach, should be able to go ahead and give him about 3000 a month from his investments. Yeah. If he's getting 3000 a month investment income, and all he needs is 1500 a month to meet his living expenses, yeah. that means he's reinvesting 1500 a month. He is compounding. His asset base is growing very dramatically yeah. when you're starting with... Uh, close to half a million dollars to say, what can I do to qualify to get myself a $300 or $400 a month Social Security check (laughs) is nonsensical. I see. Social Security is not a big thing for him. It's not going to support him. It's not going to affect him. And if he's got a half million dollars, you're telling me he's got $200,000 in CDs and cash. This guy needs help real fast, I'll tell you. What do you think, Linda? A guy with $200,000 in cash and CDs? Yeah, he's definitely not maximizing his income. No, I mean, he's sitting there earning 25 to 3%, and he could triple his income immediately. And then he's sitting in stocks and bonds, $200,000. That's totally improper for him. He should be in mutual funds and managed monies. Yeah. Too volatile a portfolio. Yeah. So what he needs help on is not how to figure out to get a few more quarters. We can do that, yes. If I were working with him, I could show him how to go ahead and get some more quarters, uh, depending on what kind of employment he wants. Not from investments, no. Investments do oh, not qualify. Yeah, yeah. But you do have to, you could file a Schedule C, self-employment, mm-hmm. and then depending on how much you earn, it's going to be, he'll be funding it, you know, at the rate of 15%, 15.5% mm-hmm. on his self-employment tax, and that is the same. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. that's, that's very helpful, and uh, it's important, to, as you say, to, to spot the big picture in there along with, along with the uh, the trees. Yeah, it is. It, his situation really is to do an analysis of his income potential from his assets, mm-hmm. add to that his income from his pension, subtract his living expenses. If he has a big enough delta, then he has no worry whatsoever. He will never touch his assets if he works with a planner. He will never touch his assets because they will be growing much faster and producing more income than he can use. And if we can be of any assistance, you can call me at the office in Raleigh. That number is 919-872-7000. That's USA 7000. Well, thank you very much. You're extraordinarily clear as always. I hope that helps, Don. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Bye. People certainly need to have a better eye as to how they find a financial planner, right? Or what what are the guidelines? You're right, Lynn. This is the type of thing we've been warning people about for years. You don't just get a financial planner because it's someone you've heard about while playing golf with your buddy on the golf course. That's not the way that you select a financial planner. There is a significant danger in getting bad financial advice. Well, what are some guidelines that you could suggest to some of our listeners regarding finding a financial planner? 
Well, there are a number of ways you should definitely find out how the planner is compensated and where the money is going to come from to pay the planner's fees. The next thing is you should ask for regular reports on the performance of investments. These are the status reports. Quite frankly, Lynn, if a planner doesn't provide ongoing status reports, then I don't think you're getting planning. Is it because they're, they're using a salesperson or what? Well, typically, consider it, Lindy. You go to a place and a number of things can happen. Let's assume they really produce a financial plan for you. That's a snapshot of where you're at right now. But then what about what happens afterwards? There are planners that go ahead and just take a snapshot of where you're at today. And the purpose of that snapshot is to basically sell you some investments. That's something to watch out for. That's a sales tool. But the important thing is not so much what you do when you start with a planner, but it's how things progress, these ongoing reports, if you're getting ongoing planning. It is important to quiz your planner and find out information about the planner, and then also to have some proof of uh, how they're working for you, correct? Right. So what you want to do is you want to see a sample set of ongoing performance reports, and you also want to look at the man's or the woman's background, and that's through the ADV. Now, the ADV is a crucial issue, Lynn. The ADV is the document that discloses everything about that individual. Exactly. The ADV is the form that you definitely should ask for when selecting a financial planner. If a person says to you they don't have one or they don't have to file one, then you need to understand that they are not offering financial planning advice as their main profession, and you should not deal with them as a financial planner. Because the ADV is required by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, it gives a total disclosure of the person's history and past. So that's very crucial. If a person doesn't have one, then you're not dealing with the financial planner. So it tells you about their background, their education, their fees, and their experience? Right. It doesn't tell you if he's good or bad. It just gives you their fee schedule, their biographical, and how they do their work. One thing that you might want to look for, which to me is important, is what relevant education or credentials does the planner have in the planning field or the financial services industry? Education may be as important as experience or investment history. For example, is the individual certified? Has he gone through a two-year educational program to become a certified financial planner? I think that's very important. Another thing would be how long has the planner been doing total financial planning? How long has the planner been working directly with clients in the comprehensive financial planning process? Isn't it important also to, to know what did the practitioner do before he or she became a financial planner? It appears that most financial planners come from fields related to financial services, right? If they're real planners, then you definitely should find that out. What did the planner do before they became a financial planner? What about asking to see a sample financial plan? Now, this to me is crucial. If it's a financial planner, they're producing a plan. I do not accept the fact that we're going to get a canned plan where you fill in a little questionnaire and it's going to be sent off to uh, some service in New York and you're going to come back and get a computerized financial plan. That's not financial planning. You should see a sample financial plan and find out what it's going to look like and is it going to be produced by the planner, him or herself. Okay. It's important also to find out what are the practitioner's areas of expertise, correct? That's right, Lynn. I think that's also important because ideally you're looking for someone who has experience or expertise in investments, taxes, insurance, estate. You want to find that there are specific areas that meet what you're looking for. The numbers to call during the week at the office are 
Area code 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And if after listening to the show, if there's some question that's been on your mind that you need an answer about, I'll be happy to do what I can to help you and just call the office. If we're looking at a, at a checklist, I'd say that we've got number one, education. Number two, how long. Number three, what the planner did before becoming a planner. Number four, ask to see a sample financial plan. Number five, what are the areas of expertise? Number six, verify that the planner has a close working relationship with accountants, attorneys, and other competent professionals. Financial planning practitioners are generalists and may also be specialists in certain areas, but you ought to check references of professionals that they're working with. That'd be number six. And Doug, isn't it helpful also to find out what type of clientele the practitioner serves? I think that's good number seven, Lynn. What type of clientele? It's not uncommon for some planners to work specifically with particular professional groups or income levels or age groups. I know in our practice there are certain types of people that we do not work with. And it's very important for people that are looking for planners to find out Will the practitioner with whom you're talking work directly with you, or will you be working with an associate handling the account, right? That's an important question, Lynn. Find out. Is he going to be doing the work directly for you, or will he be giving your account to someone else? I've been asked that question many times through the years. How do I know that you'll be doing my planning, or will you just be giving me to an assistant to someone? Okay. And another question I think people should ask is, how will the practitioner keep you informed of new financial information, correct? either through newsletters, seminars, telephone, letter, or personal meetings? Well, you know, Lynn, this is the matter of what we call status reports. Right. Uh, I think herein is a very big lack of understanding of people. When they go to see a planner, they don't realize that the initial set of meetings is not as important to them as what's going to happen afterwards. So as to see the sample reports of what's going to happen after the planning has got started. How will the planner provide you with ongoing reports and how will the planner get paid for these ongoing reports? And one of the practitioner's roles may be to suggest financial products to implement your plan. Will the planner provide generic or specific investment advice, right? And who's going to do the research? Who's going to go ahead and actually do the analysis on the products that are recommended? And then I think a very crucial issue to ask is, does the practitioner have any vested interest in any of the products that he recommends? And also, people need to find out how the financial planning practitioner is compensated and whether or not there is a charge for the plan or for periodic reviews as well as revisions, right? That's right. This is the most important thing, Lynn. Financial planning practitioners are compensated in one of two ways, either fee-only or fee commission. Now, some people say they are planners and they work on commission-only arrangements, but to me, that's a basic sales approach. If you're doing something for free and the goal is to sell some products, that's not real financial planning. But there are planners that work on a fee-only or a reduced fee arrangement, and you need to be very clear on how the fee structure works, whether you are paying your planner on a fee-only arrangement, and then you'll take his or her advice and go to another broker or someone to do the investments, and the commissions will be paid to the other individual, or whether the planner will be working on a fee commission arrangement and how much he's going to get paid. So you you need to really be comfortable that the planner is being 
uh, open and honest with you about how he's being compensated and that he's being compensated properly. You don't want someone who is not being paid well for the services or you're not going to get any service. Correct. And it's important, too, Doug, as people are looking for planners, uh, it's one thing to to be checking out the practitioner that you're interested in working with, but also to sit down and get that notebook out and start jotting questions down that are on your minds or concerns that you have regarding your own situation, correct? You're right, Lynn. You need to meet with your planner ahead of time. Bring a list of questions, get some references, client references, call clients that they're working with, see a sample financial plan, get comfortable that this is the person you work, and then go into it 100% realizing that this is a person that has a lot of influence over your financial future. If you'd like any other information, you can call our office, and that's 8727000. I'll be happy to send you some information. Well, what else is new in the world of investment planning? Well, there was a really interesting article in Investment News uh, this past week by Mary Beth Franklin, where she was talking about something that we experience every day in our office, which is that the majority of retirees roll funds out of 401k plans and more than 80% who move money worked with an advisor. And it seems the majority of boomers who work with financial advisors are choosing GO and opt to move their money to an IRA in an attempt to improve their investment performance and consolidate their assets. This was according to a survey released recently by the Center for Retirement Income at the American College of Financial Services. The, um, the national dialogue around retirement plan IRA rollovers and the proposed Department of Labor rules uh, to raise investment advice standards on retirement account is continuing. There's no doubt about that. And that's according to a recent survey which is exploring the actual behavior of individuals who face this big question, rollover or not rollover. Yeah, and the study found that the majority, 62% of recent retirees with substantial assets in a defined contribution plan at retirement choose to move their assets out of the plan. More than 8 in 10 did so with the help of a financial advisor. Yeah, the vast majority of consumers that were surveyed recognized the importance of the rollover decision, and they were indeed careful about their decision-making. The survey found that those who rolled money over with the help of an advisor were more likely to have a comprehensive retirement plan that reflected retirement income planning strategies, including an estimate of how much income they will receive each year, where that income will come from, and how long it will need to last. The American College survey demonstrates two important trends, that there are millions of soon-to-be-retired Americans that are interested in working with a financial advisor. And most of them are looking for guidance beyond investment advice. They want to know, how do they turn their savings into a reliable income stream that will last a lifetime? And some want to have broader discussions about retirement planning that might help, that might uh, include health care costs and legacy plans and estate planning. Actually, clients are looking to advisors for guidance on when to claim Social Security benefits, which Medigap plan to choose. But there is at the same time an apparent gap between what clients want 
and what advisors are providing. I was going to say that's what everybody wants to know is is how how to how to get good objective professional advice so that you can make your own decision with your own set of parameters. And that advice has to be on much more than just investments. It's got to include estate advice and all the personalized things like Steve mentioned. And it's got to include tax advice and cash flow advice. All those things that we certified financial planners. And that are integrated within the whole world of your financial planning. You know, when you decide to take an income will affect your taxes and the taxes will be affected by the investments you own. The numbers to call during the week at the office are... Area code 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. DougAndLinda.com. Well, what else is new in the world of retirement planning? Well, you know, spending in retirement is actually a balancing act. A lot of people don't think about the spending in retirement because they're in the accumulation phase. But spending in retirement is a balancing act. It really is. How to spend down your money may be the missing link in your retirement plan. This is because nearly two-thirds of savers approaching retirement don't have a strategy for which assets to tap first. Among those already retired, one-third don't have a drawdown strategy. Yeah, what's sort of been beaten into their heads is save, save, save. And it really doesn't occur to most people until they just get a few months out before retirement to ask themselves, well, how do I take what I've saved and then turn it into income? And this failing the plan can be an expensive mistake. The worst or the wrong spending moves could result in an unnecessarily large tax bill, for example, or deplete your retirement savings more quickly. There's really no one-size-fits-all strategy for what assets to tap, in what order, and proportion, and how much in total to withdraw in a given year. This all depends on factors such as your asset mix and balances and your income needs and your age. Your expected timing for claiming Social Security might also affect which drawdown plans you use first. Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. I'm glad you said that, Deborah. that uh, there's no one-size-fits-all because uh, the, the move towards a robo-advisors and computerized programs just will not do this. You can't, they, because every client is different as they move into retirement. There are certain things that are uh, the same, and that's the possible sources of income. I, I, I guess there's six possible sources of income, right, Lynn? Exactly. Uh, most people will depend, uh, firstly, on Social Security. All right. Uh, secondly, some folks will have a pension right. income if they happen to have a pension while they're working. Then thirdly, there's always a 401k. All right. Uh, fourth, an IRA, and right. uh, individual IRAs that you may have. Fifth, uh, gross growth investments. All right. Sixth, Income investments such as REITs, BDCs, bonds, and alternatives. Yeah, so when we start looking at this is what does fit everybody, the possible places to draw the income from. Now, to craft a plan, you have to think long term. One of the cornerstones of good tax planning is to think about things over more than one tax year. Now, the way we approach it, we break your investment portfolios into two. 
There is the IRA rollover, which, of course, is going to be your 401k that rolled over, your other IRAs. That's going to be one uh, big pot. And the other big pot is going to be the personal portfolio, the non-tax qualified portfolio. And once we get it down like that, we then look at your income sources and we say yeah, they're always going to be one of either guaranteed incomes. Like Social Security or a pension. Right. And then we're going to have predictable incomes. And that's going to be uh, investment income, investments that are by design to generate income. Right. Those income investments, those REITs, those real estate investment trusts, those BDCs, the business development companies, the MLPs, the ones that are designed for income, the bond substitutes. And then, of course, the last area would be... Just investment income, income that you want when you are selling investments. That's right. That's like taking withdrawals from your mutual funds. So we have guaranteed incomes, predictable Predictable incomes, and we have uh, withdrawals, which is not necessarily predictable. And then we balance that against what are your needs, your your predictable monthly lifestyle. And it's called a plan. Then tapping taxable brokerage accounts first is often a smart move because long-term capital gains are cheap tax-wise, anywhere from zero to 20%. But if you have substantial savings in a retirement account, starting withdrawals before the RMD can help reduce the amount that you have to withdraw in later years, reducing those tax obligations. Yeah, there's that, and then there's that golden era between 59 and a half and 70 and a half, where you have the most control over your taxes. You won't be hit with any early withdrawal penalties, but don't yet have to take your RMD or required minimum distribution. Ideally, you should start thinking about the spending side well ahead of retirement by making sure you have a good mix of accounts with different tax implications. Think retirement accounts where distributions are taxable as well as non-retirement options such as those brokerage accounts. And the sooner you start thinking this way, the more flexibility you can give yourself. That's right. So call us at Lewis Financial Management because this is exactly what we do as a crucial part of your financial planning. That number to call in Raleigh, we're located in Midtown Raleigh, 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000 at Lewis Financial Management, LLC. Let's take another call, Doug. Hi, John. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? I just wanted to ask you about uh, revocable trust. Uh, I have a an aunt who is setting up a, a revocable trust, mm-hmm. and uh, I would be the trustee. Okay. And I was just wondering. We've been to an attorney, but he didn't. Uh, he wasn't too good at explaining things that uh, about the thing. Then why are you using him? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the one of the things you want to watch out for in uh, in in having estate documents produced is you want to always understand everything. And in my opinion. If the attorney can't explain to you what he is charging you to produce, then you probably need to see another attorney. Let's get to the specifics of your aunt. How old is she? Uh, 92. She's 92 years old. And what's the size of her estate? Uh, It's about uh, close to $500,000. $500,000. All right. And who's the beneficiary? Uh, I, I am. Okay. Now, if... Her estate, and by the way, what is what's in the? We want to avoid probate. Okay, let's go on a little further. Uh, is is it everything in the state of North Carolina? Yes. 
Is it in uh, what kind of assets? Are they stocks and bonds and stocks cash? Stocks and bonds. How about real estate? Uh, very little real estate, just a home. Okay. The, uh, the, the avoidance of probate is, uh, depending on who you talk to, it may or may not be a very severe issue. It may be a bugaboo that, uh, that, 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 that you need to sort of look a little further at and get a quote on how much would be the probate expenses that an attorney would charge you to go ahead and take the estate through probate. But it's true. If you create a revocable living trust, what you do is you create an entity, just like a corporation, and then your aunt gives away everything to this corporation, which we call a trust. Right. And this trust, uh, we will for the, si- for the moment say that it's a living trust because it's being created during her lifetime. Yes. Other kinds of trust are testamentary trust, and all trusts break into those two broad categories, living trust or testamentary trust. Many times we write testamentary trust language into living trust documents, but a testamentary trust is one that begins its existence at death. On the other hand, this is a living trust. And then all trusts also are either revocable or irrevocable. And the one that your mother, that your aunt is trying to do is a revocable living trust. It doesn't have to be. Right. That that simply says that she's reserving the right to change her mind and collapse this thing. Okay, so that's the revocable living trust in terms of what it is. Now, what happens next is and why you do it. She then wants to go ahead and give everything she owns into the name of this trust. Yes. Every trust has four players. There is the donor. That's the one who sets it up and gives stuff to it. That's your aunt. Every trust has a trustee. That's the, tru- that's the person who runs the show. Usually... We make the trustee the same person as the donor, but in very senior citizens, we choose someone else. But the trustee is the one who runs the trust. And the third party is the beneficiary of the income, called the income beneficiary. And that's the one that the trustee pays income to. And the fourth party is the remainder beneficiary, and that's the one who gets it at the end when the trust is over. The numbers to call during the week at the office are... Area code 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Okay. Now, what you are doing when, when you create a revocable living trust is your aunt's going to give everything to this trust. And so the deeds will have to be transferred and everything will be moved into the name of the trust. And if you're the trustee, then you're the one that she'll be giving it to. But she's reserving the right to revoke it and change her mind and take it back. Yes. Now, when I told you everything to me, there's an exception of about $50,000 that goes to the housekeeper and the uh, man who cuts the yard and, uh, you know, cleans, does the odd jobs. Okay. Well, that doesn't... That's the only, uh, only request she wants to... Well, understand that the revocable living trust is an entity that goes for a period of time. And in this kind of time, it's going to go for the life of your aunt. Just like a corporation. Yes. But in this trust document that describes what happens, there are two parts to it, basically. One part describes what happens while the trust is in existence during her lifetime. Yes. The other part is just like a will. Right. It says who gets what when the trust is over. Okay. And in that part of the trust document, 
it's identical to the will. As a matter of fact, it takes the place of the will in many cases. So the, the housekeeper gets X amount and you get X amount and okay. Jim gets X amount and so forth. So those are the, the will provisions in the revocable living trust. The most important thing, however, the most important reason that you would do a revocable living trust for a person uh, 92 is for incapacitation. If indeed she becomes incapacitated, now there is someone that can go ahead and take care of her affairs for her. And that's why, that's the main reason a person sets up a revocable living trust is to provide for incapacitation. Some people try and do this with a power of attorney, but powers of attorney don't often work. But the revocable living trust removes that problem. Right. Now you're the trustee, and we set up a sequence of trustees. Very often, people look for the revocable living trust as being um, a way to avoid estate taxes, but it will not avoid the estate taxes. Yes. The principal reason is the avoidance of uh, in, or the, the solving the problem of incapacitation. The second reason that people would do this is the time of probate. At the moment of her death, then you don't have to go through a nine-month waiting period to go through probate. The trustee simply distributes to whomever the instructions are to distribute, which in this case would be yourself. So I'm better off going with the re uh, revocable, right? Yes, you are. The only thing is that uh, you should probably make sure you can customize these things and put nice little delicate features into them. So you want to use an attorney who is creating a revocable living trust uh, that knows what he's doing and knows... In other words, unfortunately, there's yeah. a lot of computer softwares that you can just print these things out. I pray that's what I've... Uh gotten involved with uh yeah and 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 that's probably not the way that you want to go if you will call my office during the week it might do well to just to set up a meeting if you want to be happy to meet with you and go over what she's got or just simply i could recommend a couple of attorneys in town that specialize in this area well i'll call your office uh looks like i should have come to you to begin with so i'll give you a ring this week right. thank you john and our number in raleigh is eight seven two seven thousand. that's usa seven thousand and and start writing down your questions and then when if you meet with you know Doug or another financial planner then that individual should be able to address your questions good enough and how long does it take to set this up well a good a, a good attorney can usually do those in about a week a week to two yeah okay i'll check with you this week then very good thank you thank you given a choice between satisfying immediate needs and desires or focusing on the future there are studies now that are showing that the here and now is winning out. In other words, it's instant gratification versus delayed gratification. And that impulse does not look good for retirement savings. The psychological tendency to prioritize the present over the future can have troubling implications. But that's because time, resources, and attention are limited. There are ways to counteract these, though. The impulse to spend now and instead of saving for retirement can be tempered. And that's the good news. Yeah, the good news that academics are finding ways now to make the future seem more immediate. And a lot of times people ask me, well, Doug, you know, the way you describe your financial planning practice all these years, it, it's sort of like a, a psychological, uh, it's sort of like a financial psychology almost. <laughs> it really is. And it is. It is. Clients come to us. They open up to us. We A lot of times we say, well, Doug, you know, I just, uh, uh, I have to admit, 
I, I've been wanting to do it, but I just, I've got bad habits. I mm-hmm. don't save enough, or mm-hmm. I don't invest enough. And I, or I've always wanted to get started and it took me an extra decade. I'm someone yeah. who waited an extra decade and I need to, I need to fix that. Yeah. I remember this one couple, I must have been 20 some years ago because now they're financially independent. But I remember we, the two of them sat there in front of me and she said, it's all his fault. It's all his fault. He just he spends everything on golf. That's why it's there. <laughs> and he turned and looked at her and then looked at me and said, she buys too many pairs of shoes. <laughs> and we all have our tendency to want to gratify ourselves now instead of save for the future. But we know better. That's right. The bad news is that the savings crisis is deepening because 52% of American households are at risk of being unable to maintain their standard of living in retirement. So there are some ways to motivate yourself to save more. Yeah. Envision the future as something that is vivid and real. Instead of thinking of your retirement date as in years, like I'm going to retire in 30 years, instead say to yourself, wow, my time horizon is 10,950 days away. Mm -hmm. That makes it very immediate. (laughs) And thinking in days can help you start saving four times sooner. They've proven this. So by using the label days, the future feels more pressing. If you need help, call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management, and I will meet with you to discuss your situation. Call me at 919-872-7000. Another uh, point is that you need to break down your goals. So the closer we get to a goal, the more motivated we become. And when the reward is in sight, uh, it, it explains why, you know, for example, if you're in a race, it explains why runners pick up their pace as they approach the finish the finish line. So in the context of retirement, people often fail to save in earnest until retirement is close. And that goes back to the matter of procrastinating, right? Right. right. So, so many uh, of our listeners that have come in always make the comment, I wish I had done this 10 years ago. Yes. So the way to make it happen is you break it down into sub goals, which of course, this is exactly what we do at Lewis Financial Management. As soon as the client comes in, we have the long-term goal. We find out exactly what they will need to accumulate or to have accumulated by the time they want to to stop working. And then we break it down into short-term, mid-term, long-term goals, and then design those sub-goals as both realistic and challenging. Why? Because if your goals are too hard, it's easy to fall short and lose motivation. That's right. And if you do fall short, maintaining perspective is key. Let's say you set a goal to start investing your monthly cash flow surplus this month. And instead, it takes you three months to actually get started. Did you fail? No, it just took you three months instead of one. I'm remembering the client that recently had told us he wanted to go ahead and start saving uh, at 10000 a month. Mm-hmm. And then we got an email saying, oops, back it down to 3000 this month. Uh-huh. All right. But then we got another email. Okay, crank it back up again. Right, right. Yeah. So people know that once you have a goal and some way to have accountability, it makes you move faster. So you need to monitor your progress. Yeah, that's the most important thing, to monitor the progress. Individuals should automate their savings to reduce the temptation. We call that pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. In your retirement portfolio, you 
That's your monthly contribution of your salary that you want deferred into your 401k. And that's easy because then your bookkeeper or payroll automates it for you. Mm -hmm. And then over in the non-retirement investments, we help you set it up so that it goes a straight draft from your checking account to whichever investment you chose. That's right. Automated. And those prompted to monitor their progress are much more successful according to all the studies. That's right. And those that track their progress toward their savings goals, even more successful. To prevent your savings and investing decisions from being influenced by market moves, monitor the amounts you're putting in, just like Doug was saying, instead of your account balances. This will help you truly achieve financial success. And the reason why is because retirement may seem like it's a long way away now, but success begins by starting this this month. Know what you need to save or invest this month so you can spend it years from now. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug, Linda, what kinds of stories are being promoted on the radio these days? Well, there's one that I've been listening to, and I'm sad to say it's a a well-known national person, and the whole story is be debt-free, owe nothing. Well, there's a couple of things I can think of in regard to that, because number one, if it was just that simple, then the guy who's standing underneath 540 with the sign that says, you know, please help me, and and he doesn't have a, a house, and he has no debts, then he would be the ideal person. I know that that's not what this syndicated uh, national speaker is talking about, so that doesn't solve the problem. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Being debt-free, it sounds so so easy and cute and everything, but that's what it is. It's cute. No, that is not the solution. Yeah, it's a cliche. That's not the solution. It also wastes a lot of time because if your focus is on being debt-free without a reason why, then all you've done at the end when you decide to retire is have no debt. And then also when you crunch the numbers, what unfortunately ends up being the truth is that while being debt-free is a noble aspiration, it alone, without creating a portfolio to be financially independent upon retirement, You'll have a house, but no way to feed yourself or take care of it if, if you don't right. have anything accumulated at that time. That's right. So you, you have to combine every cliche with some reality, which is, yes, there is a way to be debt-free and also have a significant personal non-retirement portfolio and retirement portfolio so that you can be financially independent also. Give us a call, 919-860-9783. So I imagine a lot of our listeners then would say, well, how do you do it at Lewis Financial, Doug? And it's very simple. We want to focus first on you becoming financially independent. Right. That means accumulating enough to where you can cover all of your desired lifestyle from your investments. And when you've reached that point, then we take we recommend that you take hunks off of it and throw on, and throw it against your mortgage or your this or that. So eventually you are debt free, but it's a matter of prioritization. Right. Yeah. Right. So as a part of a bigger plan. Yeah. So right. that's that's the big that's the first thing. The radio show that is promoting be debt free, that's the solution. That's that's not it. Now, and, Doug, you know, Doug yeah. and Deborah, most people that live in a home over their lifetime probably won't stay in that home for the rest of their life, right? That's right. And anyway, 
I like what you said. Yeah, I mean, it's you, better you to, gotta balance it all. To, to balance it out, and that's what we do at Lewis Financial Management. We look at your situation, we run the numbers, and we can do hypotheticals to determine how do you build your wealth over a period of time versus just sinking all of your your assets into a piece of real estate that is debt free. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at Lewis Financial Management during the week. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. We'll be happy to schedule your appointment to address your financial planning concerns. Another uh, thing that's being promoted these days um, is come to a free dinner at Ruth's Chris and learn how to have guaranteed income for life from an independent fiduciary. Oh, when I hear this on the air, you know, it used to be so different. The radio programs that are coming out right now are shockingly dis- uh, uh, um they're wrong. They're just deceptive is what they are. First of all, let's take that come to a free dinner. Well, even the Securities Administration warns you, stay away from free dinners, free dinners. They call them the plate liquor seminars, you know. Stay away from free dinners. There's no such thing as free. There's something behind that free. And then the next thing is how to have a guaranteed income. You know what that means? Buy an annuity. Buy an annuity. Right. Both are are, yeah. are, are, are now being uh, much more easily seen by people because there's people like us and others who are saying, you know what? Don't fall for it. That's right. Don't fall for it. And then, even worse, this new term that is now hitting the press, fiduciary, is being talked about on the air. People are calling themselves independent fiduciaries. Well, let me tell you, if it's free and you're not paying for that advice... This is not a fiduciary. If there's no contract which the individual presents to you showing you that he is legally a fiduciary or she is legally a fiduciary regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission and you are paying for this advice, then that's not a fiduciary. But unfortunately, Linda, just like the be debt free is being promoted on the air, now it's come to a free dinner at Ruth Christ. Learn how to have guaranteed income for life from an independent fiduciary. I got three invitations this week. At the house. To all of our listeners, it's a recipe for disaster. Don't fall but for it. if you did and you went and someone gave you a sales pitch, the next call should be to Lewis Financial Management. And we will read through the paperwork that they gave you together. And we will, uh, without saying anything, just let you see what they were trying to sell you. It's always very easy to see in hindsight what you should have seen. Even if you purchased the annuity, there's a solution to every problem. A financial planner, a certified financial planner, we, we've seen it all. So 919-872-7000, give us a call. If you've got materials and you're wondering if this is a, uh, a good solution for your scenario, call us. Let's walk through the paperwork together. And we guarantee you two things when you come to see us for your appointment. Number one, it won't be free. <laughs> You're going to pay. And number two, and you'll number be two, with a fiduciary. And number three, you will see in a contract form Absolutely. where we bind ourselves legally to go ahead and disclose everything about ourselves to you. And yes. you know what's really perfect about that is is that most people want to know. Okay, Doug, Linda, Deborah, we've been listening to your show for a while. Um, how do I get started? How, how does someone begin? 
Well, it, it all begins with a call to the office at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And basically, you know what the questions are that are on your mind. And, uh, you know, I just spoke to several folks this week and scheduled appointments with these listeners that had called in. And what we will do is we'll gather information over the phone about your situation and then we'll send you a packet so that we can uh so that you can provide us with everything that we need to know about you at your first meeting. What do you call that packet that you're going to send people, Linda? Well, it's an introductory packet and basically what we look for are a list of your assets and your liabilities because maybe you've got real estate, maybe you've got a, a, a second home at the beach, or maybe you inherited a farm. And some folks have boats. Others have, um, you know, stocks that they inherited from grandpa. But whatever the assets are, we would list out the assets and the liabilities would be any debt that you have, any mortgages, credit card debt, car payments. The, the second issue that we look at is your projected income. What is your income this year? We look at all sources of income. Your pay stub, maybe you uh, have some rental houses, so you have rental income. Or maybe you have uh, farm income, Right. But whatever your income, your projected income, and any bonuses, we'll look at that as well. We'll also look at what are your tax returns. So the most current tax return is what we'll request. And then the last key is going to be your living expenses. And with those five things at the office, Linda, once you get them, of course, then you're going to have one of our employees produce reports to be used at the initial financial advisory consultation meeting so that at that meeting, either I or Deborah will identify the questions that you want to get answered. We'll give you our advice on how to accomplish each of your goals. We'll give you our objective professional advice. And when you make that appointment to see us, it's really to make an appointment to get started When you have a plan and a planner to work with, you know you're going to accomplish those goals and get to your own personal finish line. You'll finally be on your way to financial independence with confidence. This is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. Call me at 919-872-7000. Hi, Angela. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening? Thank you so much for the service you provide to our community. You're welcome. uh, And the good information you uh, put out there. I wanted to ask um, if I, uh, not if I need it, I do need an executor to a will, not a family member. And I was wondering if your company does that, an independent executor, uh, or if not, who where I might find one, who I could get to do that, um, and would I have to have an attorney or can it be um, 
I know I have to have an attorney to make one up or I can make my own, but should it be an attorney or a certified financial planner? Uh, Okay, all right. So so the first question that you're asking is, do we provide this service as comprehensive financial planners? And the answer is yes. Now, let's go a little further. Okay. the you're looking for estate documents and an executor to your own will or for whose will? My own. For your own will. All right. So the the how old are you, by the way, Angela? Fifty. Are right, you're fifty years old? Are you married or single? Sing, uh, married. All right, married. And any children living at home? No. Okay, it's just you and your husband. And how is your husband? Old? How old your How old your husband? Approximately the same age. All right. Are you both 50? Now, what about your assets? Do you? How much do you have, for example, as an estate? This depends. This will answer some of the questions on the documents that you want. Now, would that be comprehensive, all, all liquid? All right. Well, let's take, them in, let's take them in pieces. First of all, what do you, what's the value of your home? Uh, 150. All right. $150,000 is your home. And then all investments that are not in retirement plans... I'm going to have to give you the whole number okay. of investments, and I'm going to ha- I'm going to say in the ballpark of three hundred and fifty thousand. Okay, all right. Now, as far as the documents you need for estate, first of all, you do need to have either a will, which would require an executor, or a, rev- a revocable living trust, which would not require an executor. What we do. It, okay, Lewis, I, do, I do already have a will. Are you have a will. Now, who is the executor of your will right now? Someone who may not be able to do it okay. in the future, and I'm looking towards yes. the future. Okay. All right. Uh, what you may want to do, and what we will do in our office, we will go ahead and listen to all the personal stuff that you can't tell me on the air, which is obvious. Okay. And then we will help you decide... Who should be the best executor for you? For example, let me give you a simple uh, illustration. Let's say that you are better suited for a revocable living trust because maybe there's a medical condition that could happen in the future, a stroke for either you or your husband. Okay. If that's the case, then the will that you have alongside of this trust is a simple little one-page pour-over will, which... Uh, basically, the executor does nothing then because there's nothing for the executor to do, okay? And and then it's up to the trustee. We like you to keep control as much as possible in your own hands or family members. So uh, if it, it could be a brother, a sister, it could be a child, it can be – you can use a corporate executor or a corporate trustee. We think that's a waste of money sometimes. There are some cases where families have – had very um, uh, unusual situations, and uh, we have it, we've advised them. All right, we can get a corporate one for you, but it's a matter of cost. I it really like, is because yeah. yeah, at the end of the, at the end of the day, the 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 job of the executor is going to be much more administrative than anything else. The executor and, it simply follows from the instructions from the, the grave, you yeah. might say. And, and you're, so you're, you're accounting to the court uh, what what will um, uh, be processed through. For example, what does you know what at, will at be your, distributed? Mm-hmm. So you know, so a, as the executor, the 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 job therein can be something that someone who's close enough to you or able to function doing that can do it without the cost. Now, the other question you ask is. Uh, does it have to be an attorney? No, actually, we, we almost never recommend an attorney be the executor. 
that is not, in my opinion, that's that's not a good use of money. Is the current document to naming each other, you and your spouse, as executor, and one priest deceases the other, and then no, no, okay, all right, yeah. Um, Once you yeah, write down write down our phone number, Angela. Write down nine one nine. Eight seven two seven zero zero zero. That's nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. And call us uh, at tomorrow. The, yeah, tomorrow, so I can, I can give you and, specifics. And Deborah will go ahead and schedule a meeting to get together with you and go over exactly what you should have. The executor is one piece of it, but you need to think about who's going to have the power of attorney, a durable power of attorney or a non-durable power of attorney, a health care power of attorney, a living will. So uh, we can help we you with all of that. it. Oh, good. OK. Well, Angela, we'll talk about the details and um, I'll give you the more um, complete answer in regard to the executor. Thank you so much for calling and have a great week. Remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.